You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right. Can you guys hear me? We're good? All right. Well, good morning. A little toasty in here, right? Had to take off my jacket there a little bit. I didn't want to make you struggle as you're looking at me with a jacket on. Um, you know, it's just a good reminder that we got to make it to heaven. Uh, that's how I see it uh, when it's really warm, when it's really hot, uh, and I can't take it. Uh, of course, you know, we're Southern Californians, so this is uh, not that bad, but to us, it's, it's really bad. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's so encouraging. Uh, it's so encouraging to be here. Uh, in some ways, I feel like I'm back home. Uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we were part of the former uh, Palos Verdes ministry. I know uh, some of us are here. You may not know that, but we're still part of the Palos Verdes ministry at heart. But, you know, we, we accepted the whole South Bay thing. Totally kidding. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, this has definitely been an area where uh, my wife and I have had the privilege to uh, grow up. Um, you know, I was converted at 18 years old, my first year in college. My wife became a Christian uh, in, uh, in the metro uh, L.A. region as a teenager at 16. Uh, we both come from broken families, and so in so many ways, the church has raised us. And uh, I know that here I have many brothers and sisters, many fathers, many mothers. And uh, on behalf of my wife and I, we, we just want to say thank you so much for uh, being our parents and being our family and showing us what it means to have family. You know, when I was in the campus ministry, uh, one of the things I did not want to do was to go be part of the teen ministry. Of course, then God says, okay, we're going to send you to the teen ministry. Uh, about a year later after, I literally said, I never want to go to the teen ministry. I wanted to go to Spanish ministry. Uh, and so then I was sent to teen ministry and, uh, you know, 12 years later, amen, I get to be part of the Spanish ministry now. So, but you know, I didn't want to be part of the teen ministry because I just felt like they're just a bunch of kids. Do they even understand what's going on biblically? And uh, the answer is at times they do and at times they don't. Uh, but we fell in love with the teen ministry. Uh, in fact, we saw ourselves uh, as wanting to be part of the youth and family ministry for the rest of our our lives and at least our career as ministers because we saw how valuable uh, it is to have a healthy youth ministry. Uh, amen. And we see how uh, the enemy knows where to attack families. He'll attack the marriage. He'll attack the finances. But more importantly, he'll attack our kids to try and discourage us, to try and numb us. Maybe even silence you. Maybe he can't take you out of your faith, but he can do enough, enough damage to, to just numb you out and silence you so that you don't make an impact. And Satan attacks that way, and he attacks our kids that way. But uh, it was such a privilege to be part uh, of the teen ministry for so long. I will be a youth minister at heart forever. Uh, but it is so encouraging, uh, just the teen leaders that you have here, uh, they're such great people. What a treasure. Uh, you know, it's not easy being a teen leader uh, because you kind of don't know what you're doing. 
it takes about a year, maybe two, to kind of figure out, oh, this is what I should be doing. I guess I am making a difference, I hope. It's just one of those things. And so, uh, you know, as parents, I would just encourage you to take care of them, uh, love them, encourage them, uh, ask them a lot of questions. So, uh, you know, it's not comfortable for teen leaders to kind of tell you different dynamics about you. So maybe you could just ask, and that'll make it a lot easier uh, for us. And obviously, for you guys to have the Peckmans, uh, you know, the South Bay Church has not had a devoted, full-time youth minister couple uh, for about seven years. You've sort of had the Deandas coming in and out. You've sort of had us coming in and out. Uh, but now you get your own. It's so encouraging. Uh, amen. Well, we've made a transition here to the Spanish ministry. That's a picture of my family there. Uh, Caesar actually took that. Uh, and so uh, the West Side Church planted a Spanish ministry about four years ago. And actually, today is our fourth year anniversary. And so it's uh, so encouraging. And uh, at a later time, especially when all the community leaders are here, I'd like to come back and invite myself so that I can share with you why we need to have Spanish ministry in the United States. But, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, we found we, we, we were asked to do a class for a, a conference for Spanish ministry. And we stumbled across uh, some facts that really just broke our heart. And they broke our heart because... My position right now as a full-time minister for Spanish ministry. I am only one of 11 full-time ministers devoted to Spanish ministry in the entire country. In our fellowship of churches. Six of them are in L.A. My position does not exist in the southwest area of the United States. My position doesn't exist in Arizona, Nevada, Northern California, Southern California, Texas. And the fact is that people will not come to church because of language. More people are watching Univision than they are watching NBC. You think they're going to go to an English-speaking church? Language matters. And it matters to God. That's why in Acts chapter 2, when the, when the church starts... What does God make sure that all the apostles do? They speak in different languages. Why? Because it matters to God for people to hear his message in the native language. And so it broke our heart. We changed our plans. We, we devoted. We prayed. We put together petitions and plans to transition out of youth ministry into full-time Spanish ministry. But I don't think our motives were in the right place. And there was other needs at hand. And so we waited a year and a half. Uh, and as of July 1st this year... Uh, we have that opportunity. So the former Ministerio del Oeste en Español is too long and complicated. Not a big fan. Now that I'm there, I can maybe change the name. So we did. Uh, and this is our name. We are called the El Mensaje Ministry. Why this name? Because I want to let you know why we exist. We don't exist because of race. We're not Latino ministry. We don't use that term anymore. That's confusing. That's based on, on race. Look at our fellowship. We don't base anything on race, but we're based on language. We exist not because we like to party and have big families and all those different things. 
we're together because of language. Amen? So why am I here? Uh, get a little heated up, you know, it's already warm. Amen, let's transition. I'll come back at a later time and encourage you, but we are still in a room without a few. You know, one of our challenges is, for me, I feel responsible. Why are there only 11 ministers? Why are there only 11 churches in our fellowship of churches? Because of people like me. I'm responsible because I'm bilingual and I was unwilling to go to Spanish ministry. That's who's responsible, bilingual disciples that are unwilling to go. At least that's how I view it. Now I can say it because I'm there. Before I couldn't. Now I'm there. I got the, the credentials. The will of God and the response of man. You know, what is the will of God? At the end of the day, I say that it's him wanting to make himself known to us. Wanting a relationship with us. Saving us and bringing us to heaven. You know, God has the big picture in mind. You and I, we have today in mind. We have 2015 in mind. We have till we retire in mind. God has eternity in mind. You know, God will do or allow things in our lives with one reason, to get us to heaven. That one thing he does or that one thing he allows or those many things may bother us at the moment but we may not even realize why it's happening. But at the end of the day, is not the ultimate victory to make it to heaven. You know, this week, Rigo Castillo, a former member of the South Bay Church, he was now a member of our ministry in Spanish ministry, passed away this week in his battle with cancer. Since we've been in the, and then Friday, another, mem- another uh, spouse of a member uh, in, our, in our ministry passed away. The last month and have had, we've had three uh, brothers pass away. And obviously our own Scott Hachia finished his race also. Just a reminder of why we do what we do. Not as a minister, but as Christians. That our day is also written. And God will do and allow things in order for us to make it to heaven. The will of God. You know, Jesus himself, right? He comes and he says, hey, this is, this is what um, I want to do. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. That Jesus was interested for everyone to see how he was going to die. Why he was going to die. And for who? He was going to die. And another scripture here. In Acts 17, 24, the Bible says, And he marked out their approved, appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would what? Seek him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. We see the Lordship of God right here that He marked the appointed times, the generations. He didn't seek anyone's input. This is what He wanted. Being also the Savior, He steps back and says, I did all that just so you choose whether you seek me or not. But just so you know, I'm very close, so please seek me. 
the will of God is to have a relationship with us and to keep that relationship with us. Many of us have had a roller coaster of faith where we seek God and we, we want the will of God in our lives, but it doesn't last a whole long because different things get in the way. And then we have to start over and over and over. And I just want to commend those that for many years have persevered, have fought through. And obviously we, we think about Scott Hachia when we think about someone who's run the race completely. I don't have a memory of Scott complaining. I don't have a memory of him being bittered at someone. What a man after God's own heart. You know, Jesus is both Lord and Savior. This is big to me coming from youth ministry. This is big to me studying the Bible college students. This is big to me knowing how emotional this Latino can be. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, meaning Savior. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And this great Cheyenne got to fulfill the response there to that question just a few days ago. He's both Lord and Savior. He's both. Jesus isn't Savior. He isn't the Savior. He's the Savior and the Lord. He's not the Lord. He's both Lord and Savior. So let me ask you, which do you prefer the most? The Savior or the Lord? Which do you perceive, pursue the most? The Savior or the Lord? Which is the most popular in Scripture? The Savior or the Lord? Well, it can't be one or the other. He is, he is both. Please turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Or as we say in the Spanish ministry, Abre la Poderosa. Nice. Point number one is Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing. He's both the Savior and the Lord. You know, sometimes we want the Savior for ourselves and we want the Lordship for someone else. Like our spouse and our kids. You need some Lordship. I need some Savior. We, we're all out of balance. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. It says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, one of the themes of the book of Mark is that it, it gives us insights into Jesus' emotions. Filled with compassion. Some of the translations said indignant. Meaning there's a lot of emotion there. Heartbroken like he's seen this man who's in pain. And we'll talk a little bit about him in a second. Filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately. 
the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with what? A strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. We see God in the flesh right here. Seeing a man that's a leper. And he's filled with compassion. And he touches this man. And we, some of us know what this means. It means that this leper was contagious in some ways. There's about three different forms of leprosy. Some are contagious, some are not. The point is, according to the law, this man was not supposed to be at a public gathering. And yet... This man breaks the social law and rushes to Jesus, kneels before him and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It says so much about this man's desperation. It says so much about this man's pain to publicly in front of everyone just kneel and beg this other person. It says so much about Jesus saying, I'm willing and for the first time, this man probably felt the human touch. It is interesting that Jesus touches him first. Then he says, I'm willing. Because he knew the biggest need is physical affection. This man has not felt the human touch for so long. This man has been isolated, forgotten from society. Mocked, laughed at, ignored. You know, one of the biggest pains we go through is loneliness, isn't it? We'd rather have a headache or a broken arm than just to feel alone. Because we can do a lot of unwise decisions when we feel alone to get that feeling out. This man had been alone for so long. You know, I ran into a brother. I did this lesson in, in Long Beach, and I ran into a brother from the London church uh, He's a dermatologist, and he worked in the leprosy colonies in India. And he was describing to me the pain that people go through, not just emotionally, but even just physical, as their body just deteriorates. You know, this man went through that kind of pain. But then he does something that's kind of interesting. Now, imagine if it were you. If you had leprosy for so long and you're now clean, what is the first thing you would want to go do? I mean, this man just went out publicly. This is how he ran, by the way. He probably drew up his little Hebrew sign, free hugs. You know, he's probably hugging people. Couldn't take a selfie then, but you go to the local lake, you know, and just kind of... We take selfies like this now, but back then you look down in the water. That was a selfie back then. He, 
He probably took a few of those. The man was free. Can, can you blame him for doing that? And yet the Bible says that immediately after Jesus cleansed him, he gives him a strong warning. Okay, this is Jesus giving this man not a warning. A strong warning. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that sounds like. But it's Jesus. And I'm still within close range. And he's got a strong warning right there. Make sure that you don't tell anyone about this. Two, go show yourself to the priest. Three, offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded. You know, in our society, we can be so sentimental. And this is a great example of that. That we can maybe not, not blame this guy for what he did. Come on, bro. He's a leper. He's in pain. He's celebrating his freedom in Christ right now. But this man disobeyed Jesus. Man seeks feelings of happiness more than obedience to commandments. And sometimes that could be us, where we can use our blessings to feel something. But we forget the strong warnings. We want the Savior, but we can ignore the Lord. Because of one man's joyful disobedience, Jesus himself could no longer have an open public ministry. One man's blessing shut down Jesus' ministry. Some would say that maybe Jesus was being legalistic. Go to the priest, offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded. If we take away Jesus and we add another just a regular old Christian saying, hey, bro, you need to go do this because the Bible says this and the Bible says that. You need to go do that. We can view that person as legalistic. You know, Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here for a reason. Oh, you know, I'm here to fulfill the law. You know, Jesus, it's unique what he says. He says, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. He says, uh, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing. Check this out. It says, as a testimony to who? Jesus was going to use this man to go deliver a testimony to them. Who's them? The priest. What did the priest end up doing to Jesus? The priests, the chief priests, the teacher of the law, they came to an agreement to have Jesus put to death. Maybe that happened because that message, that delivery, that testimony never got to them. See, this is big now. It's not just that, hey, man, he was feeling okay, you know. No, no, he disobeyed. He loved the Savior, the willing Savior, and rightly so. But he totally ignored the Lord. 
we can seek feelings of happiness more than obeying the commandments. We're all, you know, we're all unbalanced. How are you? How are you? As a testimony, Jesus had high hopes, but as a result, he could no longer meet. Now, Jesus is Jesus, so he figured out a way and people still came to him. Man pursues a savior and ignores the Lord's. You know, Jesus commands so a priest can be, quote unquote, healed. See, what would have happened if this man who would have obeyed Jesus, if he would have said, yes, Lord, okay, I got to go get my sacrifices. I got to go to the priest. That's a hassle, by the way, right? I got to go. I got to go by. I got to get in line. I got to make an appointment. You know? But that's what Jesus commanded. There's no shortcuts in following Jesus. Even for our kids, we're growing up in the church. God doesn't have grandkids. He has sons and daughters. And everything is provided for the teens, for you to find your own faith. And this is a place for you to wrestle and struggle and find your faith. Amen? As long as it takes. So proud of Cheyenne. What a great story. To not just... Everyone's getting baptized. I'll get baptized and say, no, I got I to gotta, I gotta make sure I'm ready. And at the right time, the right time came. Jesus, as we've mentioned, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill them. You see, if this priest would have received this cured leper. Let me ask you. When do you think was the last time a priest received this kind of appointment? From someone that was a leper. And now he's completely cleaned. Never. But the priest, being the priest, knew the entire law, especially when it came to his responsibilities about rituals of cleansing, all those offerings and sacrifices. That was his thing. That was his calling. That was his purpose. He knew the scriptures. But he... Some of them had never seen them be fulfilled. It's kind of like you and I. Some of us grew up at church. We knew the scriptures, but we never knew anyone who actually lived them. We never even put them to practice ourselves, but we knew the Savior. But we didn't know the Lord. And then we study the Bible with someone and they, we read the scriptures and they ask us a couple questions as if they're expecting us to actually put into practice the scripture. And you're like, are you, are you serious? Deny yourself daily. What? Are you actually expecting people to do this? Are you expecting people to do what Jesus says? Yes. See, this priest knew the scriptures, but had never seen them fulfilled. Isn't there a lot of people out there that know the scriptures, but maybe have never seen them fulfilled? This was the testimony that Jesus was sending. Because look, the priest who pronounces them clean shall present both of the one to be cleansed and their offerings before the Lord at the entrance of the tent meeting. This was going to be a public affair where the priest and this cured man were going to be in front of the temple offering sacrifices. And then there was going to be a, a public proclamation saying, hey, this man is now clean. He can now join all your gatherings. 
Yeah! The priest knew these scriptures, but had never put them into practice. What else would the priest would have known? He would have remembered Exodus 4, where God sends Moses. And Moses is like, what if they don't believe me? Give me a sign. God's like, okay, I'll give you a sign. What if they don't believe me? Give me another sign. That's how Moses sounded. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. So he's like this. Right? Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put it back in his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored. Whoa! Like the flesh, like the rest of his flesh. And the Lord said, look at this testimony. If they don't believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. This priest, if that testimony would have gotten there, would have fulfilled scriptures that he knew but had never put them into practice, and he would have thought about Exodus 4. Who cleans you? Well, the only Person, the only deity that can cleanse leprosy is God. Therefore, this Jesus is God. This priest, can you imagine his response? Can you imagine his wrestling with this means what? (sighs) That's right. The youth is with me. (laughs) Unfortunately, the message never got there. So everything we just described that could have happened, that could have been felt, that could have been experienced, that could have been learned, the connections that would have been made, never happened. Because one joyful recipient of a blessing disobeyed Jesus, because he pursued feelings of happiness over obedience to the commandments, because he wanted the blessings, he wanted the Savior and ignored the word of the Lord. Is that not our society? Is that not what we are in danger of as a church, pursuing feelings more? Feelings are okay, I'm not saying they're about more than obeying. The commands. How many testimonies has God been sending you all your life? Some of them got there. Some of them didn't. How many testimonies has God been sending with you to deliver? Some of them you're delivering. Some of them, you're not. And some of them, we're not delivering because it's kind of a hassle. I got to go. I got to buy. I got to get in line. Isn't that a little legalistic? Our obedience can determine who hears the word of God or not. That is scary. We don't know the leopard's name and we don't know the priest's name for a reason. They didn't make it. They pursued their own interest. One of them did not, didn't even get to hear 
the plan. Yet Jesus continues to deliver the messages. But us as messengers, we've got to be careful that we don't get caught up in the sentimentality, leaning on our own understanding, mislabeling direction, advice, plans as that's legalistic. Some of it is, some of it is not. But once you throw that L word around, it just confuses the whole thing. More importantly, we got to make sure that we're obeying God. Jesus continues, right, to send out his messages as we talked about. But you know, that messenger failed. But God is God. He finds a way. And I love this passage here. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Isn't that encouraging that the one messenger failed? God doesn't fail. More time had to pass by. But who did God use to send those messages? Disciples. As Christians, as disciples, there's no plan B. We're el mensaje. We're the messengers. We need to deliver these messages. Hopefully today, God's delivered a specific message to you through this study. Let's pray. Let's take communion. Father, we're so grateful. The fact that we are here listening to this, reading this right now means that your message has got through. That the people in this room or not in this room that you have sent as our messengers have delivered the messages. And at the same time, Father, myself included, we still have many messages right there, folded up, tucked away in our heart. And we know the recipients, we know the names, we know the addresses, we know the faces, we know the reasons. But, Father, we may not have the words, we may not find the quote-unquote right time. Help us to not figure it out, just simply obey you and deliver these messages of love, of warning, of encouragement, of reminders, God. Help us to fulfill scriptures and to speak to each other in truth and love. And God, once again, thank you that though perhaps many messengers got distracted, ignored you along the way, somehow because we're here, you delivered your message. More importantly, our eyes are now fixed on Jesus, not the messenger, but him, you, the author and the perfecter of our lives. We need you as our savior and we need you as our Lord. May we obey you. And may many, many, quote unquote, priests, many, many friends, many, many strangers, many, many family members, many, many neighbors come to the faith because they're going to hear your message. We love you. As we take the bread and the juice, we remember your sacrifice for us and your calling for us and your ownership over us as our Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.